والذین and those who اِذَا أَنفَقُوا When they spend What are their spending habits like? When they spend لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا They do not do israf. They are not extravagant. Yusrifu from israf, seen rafa. What does israf mean? Israf is to spend in that which is unlawful. So spend for a cause, for a purpose that is unlawful. Meaning it is not lawful for you to spend your money in that way. Or for that particular object or whatever it is that a person is purchasing. Right? Like for example, buying a bottle of alcohol. For instance, even if somebody gives it to you for $3, which is highly unlikely, but even if they give you right, a very quality wine, if they give you for $3, would you say, oh, $3 only? No. Did you save money there? You wasted it. This is israf. You understand? Likewise, israf also applies to spending for the sake of showing off. Because when a person is spending in order to show off, then they are basically spending their money on things they don't need. You understand? They're spending their money on things that are extra, that are irrelevant to them. But they're just spending in order to impress others. Is that a waste of money? It's a big waste of money because people don't even notice. And even if they notice, how much will they appreciate? Really how much? Yeah, even if they appreciate it, it's quite possible that they're not even sincerely appreciating. They're laughing at your choice inside, right? They disagree with what you chose, but on the surface they're saying, oh, very nice, very nice. You know Party City? Hmm? Party City? It's a big store, right? So when my son could read, of course, he could. He was looking at words which were pink and blue and green and colorful, right? So on our way to Al-Huda, every time we drive, we see Party City. So one day he said, party city. And my daughter's like, what is that? So every time we drive by, can we go to party city? Can we go to party city? I'm like, okay, fine. So eventually I'm like, fine, I'll take you guys there. I took them there, but before we entered, I said, we're not buying anything. We're not buying anything. You can see what's inside, but we're not buying anything. And they're like, but mama, I'm like, whatever you need, inshallah, I'll get you. But we're not buying anything from here. So they're like, okay, we went inside. Can you imagine? didn't buy anything except for except for just one plate all right that was a need not an extra thing it was something that was needed and it was a dish so it was useful but yani i was thinking whether it is paper plates or whatever i mean sometimes you need these things but majority of those things are what decorations which are bought you spend so much of your time putting them up and then what happens the moment the party is over The moment it is over, what happens to it? In the garbage. In the garbage. Why did you go through that effort of buying all of that, putting up all of that, because you want to impress your guests? It doesn't mean that you let your guests come in into a dirty house, into a messy house. No. Into a house that's not you know, welcoming. No, you make it welcoming and there's nothing wrong in putting decorations, but do it within moderation. Moderation. We have forgotten moderation and we have, we are blindly imitating other people. That if other people are celebrating a particular occasion, then we have to celebrate in the same way. We have to buy party decorations also and we have to deck up our house inside, outside, and the next day we're going to throw it out. 
And we are the same people who go use the masajid, right? And we don't want to give even five dollars, even though we've used the bathroom, we've used the classroom, we've used whatever it is. We don't want to pay the fees, we don't want to buy books, we don't want to spend money there. But we have the money to spend on these extravagant things. Don't get me wrong, I'm not against party city. Okay? I'm just against extravagance. We have to be careful about what we spend our money on. Think before you spend. Why are you buying something? What's the purpose? Is it to impress other people? Is it to look good in the eyes of other people? That is israf. Another form of israf is to spend on something that is not a need. Alright? That is not a need. Does this mean that you cannot buy things that you like? No, you can buy things that you like, even if they're not a necessity. Yes, even if they're not a necessity, if they're going to be a convenience for you, and you can afford it, Bismillah, go ahead and purchase it. Make your life easy so that you can use your time for more productive work. Why not? If you've got the money, go ahead and spend it. Make it easier for yourself. Right? Like for example, you can use a phone that's 10 years old. Yeah, it works perfectly fine. You can send text messages. For sure you can. But wouldn't it be much easier for you if you could just talk to Siri as you're driving? Wouldn't it be easier? It would save you time, right? The other day we were walking in Winston Churchill. I told my son Winston Churchill was a person. He's like, who was he? I'm like, I don't remember who exactly he was. I know that he was from England, but who he was exactly, I'm not sure. I'm like, okay, when we go home, he's going to ask me again. And he's not going to let me do my work when I open my computer until I answer him. So as I'm driving, I just pressed my phone. Who was Winston Churchill? And I got the answer. Same time, right? But israf is when you buy everything that you please. Everything that you desire, even if you have no need of it. This is why some scholars, they said, Manishtara, whoever purchases everything that he pleases, ishtaha, that he desires, fahuwa musrif. So, for example, you go to the grocery store. Yeah, I feel like having grapes. I feel like having strawberries. I feel like having berries. I feel like having these berries also. Yeah, they're on sale. Oh, buy three boxes. Are you going to eat all of that? Can you possibly consume all of that before it goes bad? By the way, you can't. But just because it's on sale, and just because you feel like buying every fruit over there, and just because you can afford to buy it, doesn't mean that you should buy it. You understand? Because when we start spending our money like this, then what do we have left? Little. And when we have little left, then can we spend in good works then? No, we can't. We're not able to. So, عِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا They don't even go to the other extreme. And they do not spend sparingly. They're not stingy. يَقْتُرُوا is from قَافْ تَعْرَى اِقْتَار اِقْتَار is to not even spend on one's need. Especially, مُقْتِر is used for a person who is stingy with his family. Tight-fisted. Alright, like for example, diapers are needed. No, but I just bought the diapers. Well, even if you bought them, diapers are needed. What are you going to do? Not put the diaper on the baby? You understand? There's no point being trying to save money when it comes to diapers. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. Does it make sense to try to save money when you have a headache and you need a coffee and you're standing in front of Tim Hortons and you have $5 in your pocket? Does it make sense? I mean, it's understandable if you've got no money at all except for those $5. Yes, you're like, okay bear the headache and don't have the coffee. But if you've got money, 
and you still don't buy the coffee that you need, what is that? You're being stingy with yourself. And this is not noble. Alright? So, الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا Then how do they spend? Allah says, وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا But they are, كَانَ What does كَانَ show? Ever, always. They are between that, meaning between these two extremes, they are قَوَام Justly moderate. قَوَام What does it literally mean? From the root letters قَوَف وَوَمِيم قِيَام from the same root. قَوَام is upright posture. Upright posture. So for example, if a person is sitting or standing straight, as opposed to leaning forward, or standing so arrogantly that they are almost falling behind. You understand? What is moderate? Leaning forward or with your shoulders thrown back? What's moderate? Standing straight, upright. This is qawam. You understand what qawam is? So qawam is that which is balanced on both sides. And if you think about it, moderation, what does that allow? Moderation allows you to continue what you're doing. Right? Moderation allows you to be more productive. Like for example, if you sleep, right? like for example, seven hours, seven hours, is that enough sleep? It is. If you sleep three hours, is that enough sleep? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to you? You're going to get sleepy. If you're driving, you might get so tired that you won't be able to focus. Correct? You might harm yourself. And if you oversleep, is that harmful as well? Yes, it is. When it comes to eating, not eating enough. And on the other extreme, eating too much. If you don't eat enough, you're constantly hungry. Isn't it? And if you eat too much, then you have your first world issues of, how do I feel better? What do I eat in order to fix what I ate? Right? Like for example, I ate so much food, and now I am feeling such and such, what should I eat? Well, the problem is that you ate too much in the first place. You shouldn't have eaten. And now you're thinking about what to eat to fix the first problem? That's worse. Right? So, what is qawam then? Moderation. Because when you are moderate in something, Moderation is what allows existence if you think about it. Because it, it brings you consistent energy, like for example, moderation in eating and sleeping. You have consistent energy levels, right? Socialization. When you're socializing with your friends, even that in moderate amounts, is it healthy? It's healthy. So when it comes to spending also, how should we spend? Qawam, moderately. What does it mean then? That they spend on their needs and they also save for greater purposes. Because we go on two extremes. Either we spend whatever we have, or we go to the other extreme and we save everything we have, and we don't spend on what we need. You understand? So there has to be a balance. Ibadul Rahman neither give everything away, nor do they keep everything to themselves. And remember, this is a sign of a person's intelligence how they spend their money. How you spend your money is a sign of how sensible you are, or you are not. Okay? If a person spends all the money that they've got, what does it show? They're not careful. And if a person does not spend on their needs even, what does that show? They're very greedy. 
Right? They're insecure. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 27, we learn, إِنَّ الْمُبَدِّرِينَ كَانُوا إِخْوَانَ الشَّيَاطِينَ وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِرَبِّهِ كَفُورًا Those who are wasteful, they are the brothers of shaitan. So being wasteful makes a person closer to shaitan. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 29, we learn, وَلَا تَجْعَلْ يَدَكَ مَغْلُولَةً إِلَىٰ عُنُقِكَ وَلَا تَبْسُطْهَا كُلَّ الْبَسْطِ Don't go to these extremes. That you tie up your hand to your neck, meaning you don't spend anything. And don't even open your hand out completely that you give everything away. That you spend everything that you have. No. Why? Because this will make you regret. وَالَّذِينَ And those people who لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخر, Who do not invoke with Allah another deity. Why? Because invoking another God with Allah, besides Allah, what is that? It is shirk. And in Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 48, we learn, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ Allah does not forgive shirk, but He forgives other sins. So they keep away from shirk. وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ And they do not kill. النفس, the soul. Which soul? Which person? التي حرم الله Which Allah has forbidden. Meaning which Allah has declared sacred. Meaning whose life is sacred. The person whose life is sacred, he is innocent, he should not be killed. So Ibadul Rahman, do not kill innocence. Illa bilhaq. Except with the truth, meaning with a just cause. Meaning if a person is declared guilty, alright? If a person is declared guilty and they're to be punished with the capital punishment, then only Ibadul Rahman will kill them. Otherwise, Ibadul Rahman will not kill others. Why? Because human life is Sacred. وَلَا يَزْنُونَ Nor do they commit unlawful sexual intercourse. They do not commit zina. Why? Because in Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 32, we learn, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا Zina is an indecency and it's an evil way. It's a very bad way. It's a very bad thing. وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ And whoever does that, does what? Any of these three things, any of these three crimes, which three crimes are mentioned over here? Shirk, qatl, zina. وَمَن يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَى He will meet. From lam qafia, liqa is to meet. He is going to meet athama. Penalty, punishment. Atham is the punishment for ithm. It is the punishment for sin. So whoever does any of these actions, what does Allah say? This person will definitely meet punishment. If not in this world, for sure in the hereafter. In a hadith in Bukhari, we learn Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu said the Prophet ﷺ was asked, which sin is the most serious? And he said that you appoint a rival to Allah when He has created you. The man said, then what? He said that you kill your child for fear that he will eat with you. The person asked, then what? The Prophet ﷺ said that you commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. These are all serious, worst sins in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such a person who commits these sins, yudaaf, it will be multiplied. Dadainfa. Mudaafa to multiply. Lahu for him. What will be multiplied for him? Al Adab, the punishment. When will it be multiplied for him? Yawmal Qiyama on the day of judgment. Wayakhlud and he will abide eternally. Fihi in it. In what? In the punishment. How? How will he abide eternally in it? 
Muhana, humiliated. Muhan from the root letter is Hawaunun. Alright, we learned Haunan earlier. Haun is with humility, softness, correct? And over here, Muhan means one who is humiliated. Alright, and this is from Hoon. Adab al Hoon, Hoon. One is Haun and the other is Hoon. Hoon is disgrace. So Yahlud fihi Muhana. He will be disgraced, despised. He will not have any honor whatsoever in hellfire. Why? Because of the sins that he has committed. Notice, adab is mentioned, and the fact that he will be muhan is mentioned. Because adab, punishment, this is hissi. It is physical. And muhan being humiliated, that is ma'nawi. It is intangible. That is what you feel in your heart. And people in hell will be treated... In this way, they will be humiliated and disgraced. In Surah Al-Mu'minun, ayah 108, we learn that when the people of hell will beg in order to be taken out of hellfire, they'll be told, Allah will say to them, remain in here and do not even talk to me. Do not even talk to me. Yakhlud fihi muhana. Now there is a question over here. Allah says the punishment will be doubled, multiplied. Not just doubled, but multiplied many times over. But doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the Qur'an that مَن جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا وَمَن جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجْزَى إِلَّا مِثْلَهَا That whoever brings a good deed, he'll be given ten times its like. And whoever brings a sin, he'll be given only its compensation. Right? Its recompense. Meaning sin is not to be multiplied, but reward is to be multiplied. So what does it mean by this? يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابِ Yes. Okay, that's right. One sin, remember, it never remains one sin. Especially the sins that are mentioned in this verse, shirk, qatl, zina, they never remain an isolated action, an isolated sin. No. It's definitely going to be connected with other sins. It's going to lead to other sins. One wrong action for sure will lead to another wrong action. For example, zina. Does it just happen like that? No. There's many sins that were committed before zina that a person ended up committing zina. Qatl also. Can a person just get up and kill another human being like that? No way. He can't. When will he do it? When he's lost respect for humanity. When he does not care for human life. This is the reason why we're not allowed to backbite. This is the reason why we're not allowed to insult one another. To be rude to each other. We are taught to speak to people good words because you respect their dignity so that you can respect their life. And when one limit is crossed, one had is crossed, then what happens? You cross more and more limits that have been set. So one sin never remains one sin. It is composed of many sins and it leads to more sins. And also remember that a person is emulated by others also. Because when a person commits a sin like what is described over here, then he is taken as a role model by others. Isn't that so? Rarely it is that people will take a good deed as an example. Or so and so has memorized Qur'an, let me also do it. But when a person is committing a sin, then what happens? What do people do? Oh, they're doing it. I can also do it. She's doing it. Let me also do it. 
And this is why in the Quran we learn in Surah Al-Ankabut, ayah 13, وَلَيَحْمِلُنَّ أَثْقَالَهُمْ وَأَثْقَالًا مَعَ أَثْقَالِهِمْ They will carry their own burdens and also the burdens of others whom they led astray. So this is why يُضَعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment will be multiplied. It will be increased. إِلَّا except مَنْ تَابَ The one who repents. وَآمَنَ And he believes. وَعَمَلًا صَالِحًا And he does righteous deeds. فَأُولَٰئِكَ Then those يُبَدِّلَ اللَّهُ Allah will change سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ Their sins into حَسَنَات Into good deeds. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا And Allah is forgiving and merciful. Notice over here what is mentioned. Except for the one who repents. What is repentance? That you leave the sin and you decide never to do it again. You seek forgiveness for what has been done. This is tawbah. But after tawbah, what is mentioned? Amana. He also believes. Why believe? Doesn't he already believe? If he didn't believe, why would he repent? What does it mean by this? إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ You see in a hadith we learn that when a person is committing zina, then iman leaves his heart. When a person is stealing, committing theft, then iman leaves his heart. Yes. Because it's not possible that a person believes, oh my Lord is watching me, and He is going to ask me, and yes, I am still going to commit this sin. You understand? This doesn't mean that if a person has committed a sin, they've become a non-Muslim. Be very careful. Because some people go to this extreme and they say, oh, if a person has committed a sin, they have become a murtad. They've become an apostate. So they should be killed. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. This is an extreme. This is not what the sunnah teaches us. The sunnah teaches us that when people committed sins, major sins, and they came to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ taught them to do tawbah, and he taught them to revive their iman. How? We learn in a hadith that a particular person, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu, and not an ordinary sahabi, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, I mean, who doesn't know their name? Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, he said that he swore by Allah and Uzza. Who are Lat and Uzza? They were idols. So perhaps it was his habit from before, Allahu A'lam. He swore an oath by Lat and Uzza. And this is a statement of shirk. So he got really worried and he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that I did this. The Prophet ﷺ said, Say, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahul hamd wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadeer. Meaning say the statement to revive your faith in Allah alone, in Tawheed. You understand? So revive your faith. This is what is meant by Amana. And then, وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Then a person must also do righteous deeds. Why righteous deeds? Because إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ Good deeds erase bad deeds. So what do we learn from this ayah? That if someone has committed a sin, even like that of shirk, even like that of qatl, of zina, what do we learn? He should repent. He should believe, revive his faith, and perform righteous deeds. Renew his faith because iman was made very, very weak. And also remember, sincere repentance will convert sins into good deeds. Because what do we learn here? فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ This is amazing. Imagine sins are being converted into good deeds. عِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ Right? 
When a person worships Allah, he finds Allah to be Ar-Rahman. Tell me, what judge is it that you go in front of? Right? And they convert all of your bad record into a good record. Who's going to do? Nobody does that. The maximum they do is they say, okay, you know, you're not going to be punished for such and such. You're exempted from this and this. Right? But they're not going to convert your crimes into good things. Never ever. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala converts sins into good deeds. This is the reward of sincere repentance. The Prophet said, some people will wish on the day of judgment that they had more sins. Some people will wish on the day of judgment that they had committed more sins. This doesn't mean in this world, by the way. On the day of judgment. Okay, so don't say, well, let me sin so that I can be of those people. Okay? So he was asked, why? The Prophet said, there are those whose sins Allah will convert into good deeds. So when their sins will be converted into good deeds, they will wish that they had committed more sins so that even they would be converted into good deeds. They would have more good deeds, therefore more reward. In a hadith we learned, this is a hadith in Asilsat al-Sahihah, and a very similar hadith is in Muslim also, that a man will be brought on the Day of Judgment, and it will be said, present his minor sins. So his minor sins will be presented. And the person will be asked, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And he will say, because he's a believer in Allah, true believer, but after all he was a human being, he made mistakes, he will say yes, yes, he will not refuse even one, he will, he will admit, he will confess. And he will be afraid that what if my major sins are presented before me? If they're presented, I'm finished. So then it will be said, replace, اُعْطُوهُ مَكَانَ كُلِّ سَيِّئَةٍ عَمِلَهَا حَسَنَةٍ Give him in place of every sin that he committed a good deed. Replace his sins with what? With good deeds. So the person will say, إِنَّ لِي ذُنُوبًا مَا أَرَاهَا هُنَا I also committed other sins which I don't see here. Where are those? Now he will want that his major sins are presented, so they're converted into major good deeds. But my dear sisters, this is the reward for what? Sincere repentance, tawbah, istighfar. This is why it is necessary that daily, every single day, we beg forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We admit our sins before Him. And this is why the dua of Sayyidul Istighfar is precious. It is so important. Every morning, every evening. Allahumma anta rabbi. Wallah, you are my Lord. La ilaha illa ant. There is no God but you. Khalaqtani, you created me. Wa ana abduk, I am your servant. Wa ana ala ahdika wa wa'dika mastata'atu. I am on your promise, meaning I am obedient to you as much as I am able. I am doing the best that I can. What's next? A'udhu bika min sharri ma sana'at. I seek your protection from the evil that I have committed. What's next? I confess before you all the blessings that you've bestowed upon me. Meaning I, I admit, yes, you have given me this. I acknowledge all the blessings that you've given me. What's next? And I also confess my mistakes, my sins. What's next? فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا So oh Allah forgive me because none can forgive sins except for you. This is necessary. 
And when a person sincerely repents to Allah every day like this, inshaAllah, there is hope that their sins will be converted into good deeds. This is why tawbah, istighfar should be a regular habit. Allah says, وَمَن تَابَ Whoever repents, وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا And he does righteous deeds, فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَابًا فَإِنَّهُ Then indeed he, يَتُوبُ He is returning إِلَى اللَّهِ to Allah Mataba with accepted repentance. Matab is basically a mustar and it has come here for emphasis. Return in repentance. Meaning the one who repents and does good deeds, then yes, he has truly repented. His repentance is sincere. Do you ever wonder, after saying Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah and Tawbah, do you ever wonder if your Tawbah was sincere or not? Hmm? You always wonder, right? Was my istighfar even accepted? Was my Tawbah even accepted? I committed this sin a while ago and I've been doing istighfar, but I wonder if my tawbah has been accepted or not. How do you know? What's the sign? Look at this ayah and tell me, what's the sign? وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا The sign of true, sincere, tawbah nasuha sincere repentance is that a person will change. He will change his actions. He will change his lifestyle, his habits. He will erase his sins. How? By amila salihan. By performing good deeds. It is actions that show whether a person's repentance was sincere or not. Not that a person keeps returning to sin deliberately as if he is mocking at his Lord. Remember, for sincere repentance, what is necessary? Good deeds. Sins must be left and good deeds must be performed in place of those sins. And when a person repents sincerely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the reward is immense. It is immense. First of all, a person is literally transformed. He is changed. Like the Prophet said, خِيَارُكُمْ فِي الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ خِيَارُكُمْ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ Those of you who were best in the days of ignorance are now best in Islam. Best in Islam, because that tawbah has transformed them. And remember for this, the reward is immense. Once a person came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that, what do you say about a man who's committed every sin and he's not left any sin at all? No sin at all he's left. He's committed every sin possible. What do you say about that person? The Prophet ﷺ knew that that man was asking about himself. Because that man, from other reports, we learned that either he was concealing his face or, or something like that. He was trying to hide from the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ said, did you accept Islam? And he said, yes. As for me, I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah and that Muhammad ﷺ is His messenger. So the Prophet ﷺ said, do good deeds and leave sins. And Allah will turn all your sins into good deeds. Allah will turn all your sins into good deeds. This is for who? For a person who especially has embraced Islam. For a person who has embraced Islam. Alright? So when you meet a new Muslim, or if you happen to be someone who has helped another convert to Islam, accept Islam, then give them this good news, that their sins have been converted into good deeds. Recently I met a sister who had recently converted to Islam. And uh, she was asking me about things that she had done. I said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I told her about this hadith. And she was... Pleasantly surprised. Very, very happy. 
You should have seen the expression on her face. I mean, عباد الرحمن, right? When you worship Allah, you find Allah, الرحمن. You find Him most, most merciful. وَالَّذِينَ And those who لَا يَشْهَدُونَ zur They do not testify to falsehood. يَشْهَدُونَ From shahada. What does shahada mean? Shahada means to testify. Like for example in a court. So for example you're a witness to a particular thing that happened. So you're called to give testimony. So over there you have to speak the truth. Right? Speaking falsehood over there saying that oh yeah this person I saw them committing the murder for instance. Whereas you didn't see them. You're making it up. This is what? False testimony. So Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ They do not give false testimony. Why? Because this is a major sin. Major sin. In a hadith we learned the Prophet ﷺ, he asked, shall I not tell you of the greatest of major sins? And the Sahaba said, yes, please. And the Prophet ﷺ said, shirk and disobeying one's parents. And at this time the Prophet ﷺ was reclining. And then he sat up straight and he added, وَقَوْلُ الزُّورِ And false testimony, false testimony, false testimony. He kept repeating himself until the Sahaba thought that he wouldn't stop. This is how much he emphasized. False testimony is what? It's a major sin. So, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورِ But remember that shahada doesn't just mean testifying in a court. It also means to be present somewhere. To witness something meaning to see it, to listen to it, to be somewhere when something is happening. This is also shahada. So they do not witness zur. What is zur? Falsehood. I gave you the detailed meaning of the word zur at the beginning of Surah Al-Furqan. Right? فَقَدْ جَاءُوا ظُلْمًا وَزُورًا So I'm not going to go into the detail over here. So zur, falsehood. What does it mean by this? That they neither lie nor are they present where wrong is being done. Wherever wrong is being done, they don't stay there. They don't stand there watching it. They don't sit there listening to it. No. And whatever color, shape or form that wrong is in, that falsehood is in, they have no interest in it. Falsehood does not attract them. Even if it is for the purpose of entertainment. They don't like lies and they don't find falsehood to be funny or entertaining. Ibn Abbas anhu he said that Azur refers to the Eids and the festivals of the Mushrikeen. Alright, the festivals of the Mushrikeen. Now, remember that there were religious ceremonies. Religious ceremonies. So where openly shirk is being committed. Sir Ibadur Rahman, don't go to such places where people are circling around their idols and they're you know, worshipping their idols. No, they don't do that. Mujahid said that Azur refers to the gatherings of music and singing. Meaning that where the entire atmosphere of sin is created. That entire atmosphere of sin. And I mean sin. Alright? That for example, the way men and women are dressed, the way they're sitting with each other, the way the whole crowd is cheering, and the way people are singing. And they're not just singing, they're also dancing. And there's inappropriate words in the lyrics. You understand? So such kind of gatherings, Ibadul Rahman keep away from them. Imam Abu Hanifa, he said, Lahu wal ghina. Similar, singing. Az Zuhri, he said, Majalis of alcohol, places where alcohol is being served. Alright? Now, one is that you choose not to go there. 
Alright? You have control over that. So Ibadul Rahman, whenever they have the option of leaving a place like this, right? Or of staying away from places like this, they stay away. They leave such places. But sometimes you don't have the option. Hmm? For instance, if you're sitting in an airplane and the person sitting next to you orders alcohol, what are you going to do? Stop this plane right now. I have to get out of here. Can you do that? No, you can't. So then what do you do? Don't look at that alcohol. لا يشهدون الزور You understand? Don't look at that person. Oh, I wonder what it tastes like. No. You see what happens when you keep looking at it? You begin to admire it. You understand? Likewise, somebody may be blasting with loud music right next to you at a traffic light. What do you do at that time? Put your windows down so finally you get to listen. Because mom doesn't let you listen at home anyway, so might as well listen now for a few seconds. No. لا يشهدون الزور Sometimes you're dragged to such places with your family. You're not given the choice. And it happens in real life. If it's your relative's wedding. Weddings. Wedding season, right? Isn't it? So when it comes to weddings, your own relative... You know, if it's your uncle's cousin's mom or something, mom's daughter's son-in-law something, you can say, I'm busy. But if it's your sister, your brother, your nephew, your cousin, your very close blood relative, what are you meant to do? لا يشهدون الزور Allah says. What are you going to do then? Because we go to different extremes. Either we go full out and enjoy ourselves and just party and, you know, have fun. Because we can. Or we say, I'm not going at all. Not at all. So what are you going to do? Yes. Okay. Alhamdulillah for, you know, wedding Desi standard time. I don't know about other cultures, but at least in Indian Pakistani culture, it's understood that you go to a wedding late. Right? Always. You always go to a wedding late. So you can walk into the wedding fashionably late, like three, four hours late even. Go late. Go late. Keep in touch with people who are there maybe. Find out when the music and the partying is. When it's over, go. Or go early or go on time and then say that book a doctor's appointment or something like that. Right? Schedule something. Try to get out of that situation. What else can you do? At these kind of gatherings, she's decided to lead by example. She would go and if there was anything inappropriate, she would still say salam to everyone, but she would say, I'm sorry, I can't stay. And she would explain why. And then they would feel bad because they were close relatives. And she's an elder of the family. So slowly, people in the family is like, if she can't stay, then it's a bad thing. So they started changing the arrangements. Alhamdulillah. So that worked Alhamdulillah. for her. And if she said, I'm not coming at all, then what would happen? Good, you're not coming. We'll do whatever we want. Isn't it? But because of her presence... At least they have the haya to, you know, not do certain things. Go ahead. It was my own daughter's wedding and I said that if there will be music, I will not come. So she didn't have any choice. So I put nasheed all the time at the wedding day. But on the Walima day, of course, it was not my function. So they put the music. So when after the arrival of the bride and groom, I came out of the hall and I was sitting outside in the lobby. So the mother-in-law came and said, why are you sitting? I said, I cannot sit inside because there's a music. So they came to know indirectly what we want. So they avoided it. Alhamdulillah. 
But generally what do we do? We just stay. We're like, oh, what can I do? It looks so bad. No, doesn't matter. Because remember that when a person is sinning, then he looks bad in the sight of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One is our image before people and the other is our image before Allah. Image before people, who cares? Image before Allah matters for eternity, forever. So be careful about that. لا يشهدون الزور Their ibadul rahman do not witness falsehood. وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ And when they have to pass by vain talk, by vain speech, ill speech. And remember, law is not just speech. We did a whole discussion on law earlier. Law is basically useless stuff that must be left. Everything that's extra, irrelevant, useless, garbage basically that you have to get rid of. Right? So sometimes you're not doing it, but other people are doing it. And you pass by them and you see them, for example, listening to loud music. Or for instance, not just listening but also dancing to it. For instance, now what do you do? How do their Ibadul Rahman respond in this situation? What do they do? Allah says, Marru, they pass kirama, with dignity. Kirama is a plural of kareem. And kirama meaning with dignity, without taking interest in it. Hmm? Meaning they keep themselves noble by refraining from participating in that law. They move on. Just like if you're walking. Alright, let's say you're walking on a sidewalk. And you see dog poop. I'm sorry for a very nasty example. If you see dog poop, what are you going to do? Oh my God, how could people do this? Like seriously, is that dog poop? Really? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that? What would you do? Isn't it? If you see it, you're just going to ignore it and walk away. Now what happens is, when we see people doing wrong things, Either we participate in it, or we start looking at them and criticizing them, backbiting about them. Like for example, you go to a wedding, there's music. Not going to say anything to the family, but sitting at the table and saying, you know what, you should have come to the other function. Oh my God, such loud music, my head still hurts from it. What's the point? What's the point? Marru kirama. Ibadul Rahman, how do they walk? With dignity. They keep themselves dignified by refraining from, by keeping away from, lagu. Okay. Now, one thing I'd like to mention over here. Ibadul Rahman, they keep away from zur, and they also keep away from lagu. And by keeping away, what do they do? They keep themselves dignified in the sight of Allah. What does it show? That when a person indulges in lagu or zur, what happens? He loses his dignity. He falls in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now these days, you don't have to pass by a gathering in order to witness zur or lagu. This can happen even at your own house, on your phone, on your computer. Right? You're opening a link to a particular article and a pop-up comes up. Or, for example, there's an ad on the side. Ads, of course, what do you do about them, right? So, one is that you look at it, and the other is that the moment you realize this is inappropriate, you either, you know, make the screen small, or, or you do something in order to hide that part, in order to protect your eyes from it. 
Because remember, when a person starts looking at these things, then he is witnessing zur. And this is something that does not befit Ibadur Rahman. I read something in the news today which shook me. It hurt me. You know, in India, they banned um, pornographic uh, websites. And there was a huge uproar and they had to basically, the government had to lift that ban. And from one of the websites, they got from the statistics, they found out that in India, around Diwali, online traffic to a particular porn website drops by 36%. Drops. Why do you think it drops by 36%? Because people are busy in their Diwali. But in India, around Eid al-Fitr, it rises by 9%. Traffic on such websites increases by 9% around Eid al-Fitr. I had to read it multiple times. Eid al-Fitr? Yeah, Eid al-Fitr. Increased by 9%? Yeah, increased by 9%. If you want to check for yourself, check BBC. Because people are free on Eid. They're not going to go for salah. Finally, they're not fasting. They're awake. And all of a sudden, the traffic on such websites is increased by 9%. And this is something that's very disturbing. We have to be very careful about what is going on through our internet, on the phones and the computers, which are in our house. We have to keep a check on ourselves, and we also have to keep a check on the people that are living in our houses. And don't think it's only men, by the way. Men alone are not addicted to pornography. Even women watch porn. Even women watch porn. Many women do. And I'm not just talking about Western women. This is all over the world. If you look at the statistics, you'll be shocked. It's disturbing. وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورِ You see, Ibadul Rahman, a person who truly fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he fears Allah even when he is alone. In privacy. Because when we will correct our behavior with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in privacy, only then in public can we be good also.